0: I want to go to Marlone 1 with you. I want to dive the trench. No. No. This is too dangerous. Too dangerous for you. Checking out two lines of tank pressure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. you got to be careful. Eh? I see that you're angry. But I believe that this is a reasonable and responsible decision. Let's explore. I'm almost all the time at my age. Up to 25,000 feet. You need to start taking me seriously as a scientist. of so all Exactly. Again, I'm going to work. After you. Oh, God. Oh, God. We work the problems one by one. We do what's in front of us, then we do the next thing. We're gonna be okay. Still by your room. Just We do what's in front of us.
1: Then we do the next thing. Am I still grounded? (laughs) You two are ridiculous.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike, and joining me as always, it's...
2: Greetings and salutations, shark hunters. I'm doing pretty well, Mike. How you doing? Well, uh,
0: a little overwhelmed
2: on Monday because I was,
0: I was out for a few days, so I, I think the, the co-workers in my absence did their best to uh, work queues down, but uh, I, I knew it was coming, so I was kind of prepared, but... Uh, through it, so here I am, hopefully about to do something a lot more fun than work, so I guess we'll find out in a minute, but uh, also joining us, it's Don and Ellie. What's
1: yeah, what's going on? Always happy to be here, especially for today because this is one of my favorites. We're doing shark movies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured like we would at least get one out of three super enthused. Actually looking forward to this one too. Um, so we are the Meg Two, or as it, the proper title is Meg Two: The Trench. I, you know, I hadn't seen the first Meg since uh, the theater, so I was about uh, the difference in the IMDb ratings, and currently they're both sitting at the identical rating of five point six. Now, obviously, the Meg has like I think 100k plus more reviews since it's what five years old at the point, point? Um, and this the sequel has 8k views. So as I, I've heard, I haven't dug into like uh, like full on reviews, but I've heard everything from this one's better to the first one's better, to I liked them both to I didn't like them both. So I'm interested to see like what the three have to say. Uh, so Meg 2, The Trench, the synopsis of I 13 just like the first one, an hour and 56 minutes, minutes which would be that's longer by three minutes than the first one. So I uh, Team encounters multiple threats while exploring the depths of the ocean, including a malevolent... M- uh, nothing about a killer shark there, but uh, <laughs> I guess that goes with... For a, movie, for a sequel to the Meg. But, uh, all right, Meg 2, The Trench. Thoughts like always. Venom, what did you think of Meg 2, The Trench?
2: This is going to be an odd review because I feel like this movie is two movies put into one. Um, this is a two-hour film that that is awesome for about a half hour. And then for the majority of the other hour and a half, it's basically die hard underwater, Um, which might not be a bad thing to some people. I myself, I was looking forward to a ridiculous over-the-top shark movie, something that trumped the first Meg. To an extent, this movie is that. Uh, We definitely get a lot more um, creatures. We, you know, we get a little bit more creature action. Um, But, man, the human story in this one just bogs this movie down. Um, It's, uh, I mean, basically the first hour to an hour and a half of the movie is just like a corporate espionage terrorist film, you know, you know. Uh, Part of why I, and this, what's funny is that this movie makes me love the first one even more because the first one at least concentrated on the shark 100% of the time. There was no human antagonist. There was no, you know, terrorist organization trying to bring down uh, the facility. There was just, it was just people versus a megalodon and it worked. I mean, Obviously, the IMDb rating may not reflect that, but for me, I absolutely adored The First May. This one, like I said, they're spending way too much time um, with characters that we don't really care about, um, characters that uh, are way more annoying in this movie than we're in the first one. I'll, I'll get into more detail on that during uh, the walkthrough and the spoilers section, but... Uh, yeah, man. Some of the, some of the characters got better, um, but some of them got worse. And you know, I'll, I'll kind of go over that list later. But I don't know, man. I I, I've, I watched this movie twice this weekend, and I walk away thinking the same thing both times. The last twenty to thirty minutes of this movie is fucking awesome. Just. Creature action, left and right, and chaos, and, you know, at a beach resort, it just it, it's exactly what we want in a shark movie. I think most people's opinion, overall opinion on this movie, is going to be about where they fall on that first hour and a half, with, with all the espionage, all the terrorism, you know, uh, just, ah, man... We, we even get fight sequences in this one, which we absolutely did not get in the first one. I mean, I should have called this the transporter underwater because Jason Statham basically turns into the transporter during the opening scene of the film. Not the cold open, but the, uh, the full opening, full scene. Just, I, it's, It literally could have been taken out of the transporter or Crank or any of his action movies that he's done in the past and then he ends up getting another fight sequence later in the film that ends in just the most ridiculous way. And that's kind of what we're looking for with movies like this, is the ridiculousness, the crazy kills. Unfortunately, the Meg 2 is PG-13, so we're not going to get the -the over-the-top kills that we're hoping for. We're not getting body parts left and right and lots of blood. I mean, for the most part... Um, this Megalodon is basically, if it's eating people, it's basically just swallowing them whole. Maybe it'll bite down once and that's about it. So, you know, we're not getting floating body parts or severed heads or any of, you know, the great stuff that we've seen in in shark films of the past. But that last half hour definitely saves the film. Like, it's just so much fun. Um, a lot of action, good CGI. I had no problem with the CGI throughout the film. I love the cold open. There, there's a, a, a spectacular cold open with a T-Rex that I'm sure most people saw on the trailer, but since I don't watch trailers, it was totally new to me, and I absolutely loved it. But then the next hour to an hour and 20 minutes of the movie is basically Jason Statham fighting go oh. terrorist, and it just it, – it's not what I paid for, basically. It's not the movie that I wanted to watch. I myself am not the biggest fan of like spy films. I mean, I, I used to love the Bond movies. I still haven't seen the last Bond film. Um, I don't watch the Mission Impossible movies or, like, Jack Reacher, stuff like that. Just It doesn't do much for me, the whole international espionage and spies and blah, 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 blah. Um, It's not something that I gravitate towards. And then they go and kind of interject that into my shark movie, and that bugged the shit out of me, <laughs> definitely. I'm not going to say the action is bad. I'm not saying that it's a bad action movie. I'm just saying that they put the transporter in my shark movie when I really just want to see a shark movie. And I know it's hard to fill a two hour movie with nothing but creature action, but they did, they did a great job of making us care about these characters in the first movie to the point where I almost don't care about anyone by the end of this movie, as much as one of the characters I love, one of the returning characters from the first movie I loved in this one. By the end of the movie, it just feels like a status quo situation. They're right back to where they were at the beginning. Uh, Some of the character decisions bother me. Um, Some of the things that have occurred between the two films bother me Um, as far as, like, everything that happened in the first movie. And then we start this movie, and they're diving into the trench again. It's like, did you not fucking learn your lesson the first time? That's why we have six Jurassic Park movies. Because people don't learn their fucking lesson, and it seems like the Meg is going that same route where just you're you're just gonna get another corporate billionaire throwing money into the ocean, um you know, for resources and whatever else just to end up releasing a meg or more um in in this case, way more than just a Meg. So, yeah, overall, I had a decent time with the movie, but i I gotta say i I enjoy the first one so much more um because it's a it's a legitimate shark movie. I feel like it's it's about the meg from beginning to end and this movie is not. There are long sequences where you even forget it's a fucking shark movie and that bugs the shit out of me. I don't like that. So yeah, definitely not what I was hoping to get um but once we do get to the just the crazy monster action at the end of the movie that's when the movie finally delivers on um, the promise of a sequel to the Meg. So yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm on the movie. I, I loved all the shark action. Um, I loved all the new creatures that were introduced. Um, but goddamn, did they make this, you know, diehard slash transporter underwater. And that's just not what I was looking for. So I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that for now.
0: Okay. Um, on for your thoughts on a Meg 2.
1: Okay, uh, this one's going to be kind of interesting because, in essence, I, I do agree, and a lot of that is based on the fact that I have the same issue with the film that he does, and that the Megs are not the primary focus of the film, and for whatever reason, this dumbass ecological terrorist subplot gets thrown into the mix, which... One, their whole plan is just fucking retarded. And I'm going to use that term because that is as, it, it, it deserves it. I mean, the whole plan of this thing is just retarded beyond belief. And using that term makes legitimate sense. Um, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of that ends up taking up the shark action, which kind of makes them not really feel as imposing or as spectacular as we want them to be. I mean, it's a 60 foot long shark. And, you know, know, this may not really be a spoiler because we've seen those shots in the film. There's more than one. So you have multiple massive man-eating sharks running around and they don't feel like they don't feel threatening. They don't feel imposing. They just feel like something to be dispatched. And a lot of that is because we spend more time with this action movie hero sub you know, sabotaging these weather stations or drill sites or uh, I don't know what the hell is going on here. A lot of that takes precedence over the film and it kind of draws the shark action away. And I'm not really that imposed on the film because of that. That because I gravitated to that particular scene because I grew up with it, I'm not that opposed to it because I love shoot 'em up explosion happy action films. And that's what we got for a lot of the film. And yeah, two different movies in one does make a lot more sense when you actually go through it. And, you know, we will in a few minutes. But it, I, I don't hate either of the two movies that we get here. And, you know, I, I love my Cheesy Shark movies. And I love you know gun happy explosion filled action films and putting the two of them together is a lot of fun but they don't really do it that well because the subplot the human drama surrounding everything doesn't really tie them together that well and that's my issue with it is I I, I said it before and I'll say it again it's fucking retarded and yeah there's just no no way that any of that makes any sense, and it, yeah, it it really just highlights just a really really lackluster story here. But yeah, the, he's completely right on a lot of the other issues here. the The first half of this film is really good, and the final half hour to this, oh, uh, I, I I I was about as hard as I was with the sadness. I, I it was just <laughs> fantastic. Oh man, that beach resort scene is just it's just glorious <laughs> oh man there's so much fun with that uh just you know things flying all over the place and, and you know the, the stunt work the special effects it's all a lot of fun and it's exactly what i want in these big dumb action movie blockbuster kind of a films but yeah just that that's just my main issue is just that the ecological terrorist point is just the motivation behind everything that's going on there is just stupid, but it provides a lot of action and a lot of fun action, too. So I'm not that bothered by it. So, yeah, it, it, it is kind of a weird one. Um, I, I don't think it's a failure. I don't think it's as bad as everybody says it is. But I, I do recognize that it is flawed and it, he, there are legitimate issues with the film. But, yeah, overall, I I, I still really enjoyed it. I I still really had fun with it. So, yeah, um, not better than the first one. I I will concede. I do do think part one is a lot better just for being straight on, you know, shark on the loose kind of a film that it really should be. But, yeah, I I had more fun with it than I I anticipated. I, you know, I see all the low scores. I see all the low ratings. But, yeah, it's still a lot of fun just you know it needed a little bit more work with a uh, couple of areas but yeah other than that uh i didn't i didn't hate it at all i had fun with it so yeah i guess that's uh
0: pretty much it for me all right so for me i it's i guess it's what two weeks in a row i'm pretty much in alignment with you guys uh now, to the movie's credit, I will say once we get to that last thirty minutes, that might be the most fun thirty minutes that I had with like either movie. I think that, that it's like so good, it just takes a while to get there. Um, it, it definitely feels like two different movies, or like a or a ninety-minute movie with like a spectacular third act uh, tacked onto it. I love that we we uh, we got some. Uh, Surprise creatures that I wasn't expecting. I, I don't even think I watched this trailer. Um, I might have seen like a, a like the teaser. Uh, Venom, you were referencing the 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 cold open with the dinosaur. I I remember seeing like that, but it was like in like a short clip, so it might have just been like a teaser, kind of like they used to do when like they'd come out with a new Godzilla movie, just to like show a look at the size of Godzilla compared to these ferocious dinosaurs. Um, but I don't remember actually watching a full trailer, and it's weird because you would think I would have gotten it once or twice before all the other movies we've seen in theaters, but I, I don't recall ever seeing a full trailer, so I really had no idea what the story was. I, I I didn't so much care going into the movie uh, what the story was for the Meg because I was like okay giant killer shark or multiple sharks uh, sharks will kill people and they'll try to manage to kill the shark I mean that was like the basic premise that I was hoping for you, you know this is like a kind of like that summer I wouldn't say blockbuster but big, kind of big almost like a big budget version of a silent movie with a better cast better production uh, better effects. Um, I love some of the shots we got from inside the Meg. I, I can't remember. Did they do any of that in the original as well? No. It, okay. No. I, I, I didn't think so, but like I said, since I haven't seen them in so long, I was like, I, I didn't want to be quoted as saying that, but I did like that. It was kind of a cool POV mm-hmm. um, to watch people get eaten from the inside of the shark's mouth. Um, I, I, I found like, yeah, like I said, once this movie went to a fun island, it got really, really fun. And yeah, it just turned into like the over-the-top summer movie that I wanted. Like it, you know, it, where I'm where I'm living, it, it's that damn hot where you, you want to be kind of in the water. And watching a movie like this kind of hit all those summer tones once we got to Fun Island. But I, I concur with the main criticism that it just took a long time to get there, where the preceding like what eighty-ish minutes. Seem to be more like, almost like, yeah, espionage, spy thriller, um, with, with the characters, um, so, I think overall I like the first one better, but once this one got to the fun island portion of the movie, that might have been, like, the most fun I've had, just because it gave, that gave me, like, everything I was hoping to get for more of the movie, just compacted down, um. But, yeah, I mean, I don't have a ton to add just because I really agree with both of what you guys said already. Um, you know, it's a big, giant killer shark movie, so I would, I would still say it's best suited for the theater because you want to feel and see every, you know, you want to experience the, the size of the shark, the scope of it. It's, it's probably better on a big movie screen just to add kind of like to the ambiance and the effect of it like why why make a movie about a giant killer shark if you're not going to see a, a giant killer shark on a movie screen so i would still say see it in the theater but uh in in, in comparison i would say overall the first one is better but the second one has a killer third act that i think makes it still worth it and jason statham you know by now you know jason statham you know what you're going to get i think he's He's, he's good for this kind of movie. Um, against all odds, I mean, it, it gets downright absurd in that third act. Like, they all should have died, like, five times. All, like, the protagonists, <laughs> like, some of the stunts. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was super fun to, to watch. But, like, when you start thinking about it, it's like, yeah, you, you should have been dead. But, oh, well. <laughs> we, we understand going into these movies. They're big and dumb. But they just got to be fun. And uh, at least the movie left us with... Like, at least they didn't put all the fun at the beginning, right? And then, like, it Mm -hmm. went away from it. But, um, yeah, it it would affect the overall rating just because it took a while to get there. But I had fun at the end of the day. And, uh, you know, um, we'll see if we get a third Meg um, in, what, I guess it was five years between the two? so. Yeah, I I would hope they wouldn't wait that long. I don't know what the box office on this was to see if it's, like, worth it, but my theater had, like, a decent amount of people in there, and it seemed like people had fun. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that for the moment, so uh, I'll kick it back to you, Venom.
2: Yeah, if this movie would have been an independent production, like an independent movie, then I would have understood doing the espionage for, for the majority of the film and then just saving all the shark action for the end because obviously your CGI budget isn't going to be as high for an independent movie. This being a big-budget summer blockbuster, they really, really should have spread out the action a little bit more. I mean, that last half hour is spectacular. It's great. But I really would have liked to have seen a little bit more before that. Like there's almost no shark action we, you know we get a, a few chase sequences here and there um you know on the way to fun island but yeah the, the, the megs definitely take a backseat in this one you know with the whole terrorist thing and everything else um our villain you know our, our our well i shouldn't say our villain our mastermind let's leave it at that our mastermind was just so just terrible and dumb um it just it just made no sense that this woman, you know, got to the place that she is, and her plan was just inane as all hell, just asinine, um, and somehow she thinks you know she's going to be the richest person in the world because of this. But you know, wow, inane. You're really, yeah, you're really uh, cutting your words there. I called it retarded. And and it's valid. I mean, I I, I this movie, this there are people in this movie that are one hundred percent retarded, absolutely. Um, but you know, I, I'm trying to defend the movie as much as I can, but it it is unfortunately. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, but uh, I, and Ain is really cutting it lightly here. I know. I'm taking it easy because it is still a shark movie, and I did have a good time. I mean, I saw it twice this weekend. If I hated it after the first watch, I would not have forced myself to watch it again just for the podcast. So, obviously, I liked it enough after the first watch. And, honestly, during the first watch, the first hour and a half of the film maybe isn't as dull because you don't know what's coming. You know, you're just kind of living it as it happens. But watching it the second time, knowing that you're not really going to get a lot of shark action until the end – it definitely made the movie feel like a drag because I was just waiting to get through all the espionage the, the second time. It's like, okay, let's just get through it. I don't care. Um, I even I even got up and left the theater at one point, went outside to the lobby, uh, answered a text, went to the bathroom, and then came back. There was still fucking terrorist shooting at each other, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it just... You know, I, I agree with Don. there are some good aspects of the first hour and a half. I'm not saying that it's a bad action movie, not at all. It is it is definitely an above you know if if you know cut off the last half hour of this movie and just say that this is the transporter three, where the transporter is now an eco warrior, um, it's not a terrible movie. It really isn't. But considering this is the Meg Two, you know the the first the first movie you know definitely it, it garnered a lot of goodwill for just all the action, all the great you know effects, the great characters, and then this one. Um, It just, it it slips in all aspects. Everything that the first movie did great, this one just kind of does a step below until you get to that last half hour. Obviously, we're all touting this last half hour. Hopefully, we're not talking it up too much for anybody who's listening and hasn't seen the film. But, you know, once you get through that first hour and a half, it's just a delight to actually watch some creatures rampage through this beach resort. So, yeah. Absolutely, I'm down with this. Um, I hated the little girl in this one. That, that's one of the characters I was talking about earlier. Um, I loved her in the yeah. first movie. I, I liked her a lot. I thought she was, like, an eight-year-old who doesn't listen to her parents is precocious and kind of cute. But a 14-year-old who doesn't listen to her parents and does what she wants, I mean, that's, that's legitimately dangerous. Like the shit that she pulled in this movie literally could have cost lives. Luckily, she didn't. Well, we'll, we'll about I didn't one. But I'm saying uh,
1: I know it's a maybe
2: a spoiler, but didn't she do that for one? No, but that's what I'm saying. When you're an eight year old and you're and you don't listen to your parents, it it kind of comes off as precocious and cute. When you're a fourteen year old, it you come off as like a rebellious teenager who one of the one of the major problems I had with her characterization in this movie is that they make her out to be this genius. Now obviously 5 years ago when she was 8, she was an absolute genius. She knew so much about um you know the submersibles and the uh, the sea station and everything else. This one she's almost like a know-it-all and like I said one scene, she'll, she'll do or say something absolutely genius, but then in the next scene, she'll, um, what do you call it? She'll stow away on one of the submersibles, not even thinking about the oxygen intake. And it's like, are you fucking kidding? I thought you were a genius. But this is what I mean. Like, the movie doesn't know what they want with this little girl. Is she a genius or is she a rebellious douchebag? I don't know. Um, they try to do a cute little scene at the very end of the movie, you know with safe uh, and uh the uncle the the new uncle that 's introduced in this movie and the little girl. I found it insipid I, i'm like no fuck you you 're still grounded forever it just doesn 't make any sense that because they survived this situation, suddenly what she did is okay it 's not a big deal no fuck you you 're still grounded anyway we 'll get to what i 'm actually talking about in a little bit um. But for me, the MVP of this movie is fucking DJ. I loved DJ in this movie. I know it's it, it's not like the char- it's not like we actually watched what the character did between movies, but there is a dialogue in the movie because if you guys remember, you know, DJ couldn't swim in the first movie, he was basically useless. Um, when it came to, like, pressure situations. And in this one, he's fucking Rambo. But there is a dialogue in the movie explaining why, and I love it. It actually, it's so intelligent, and it makes so much sense um, that it sold me. And for me, yeah, DJ ends up being... I mean, he 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 saved Mei Ying's life multiple times throughout the movie, and then with with the most spectacular being right at the end with his gigantic 50 caliber fucking Desert Eagle. Holy shit, that gun was awesome, by the way. Um, but yeah, uh, like I said, there's just there's so much black luster in the movie um especially if you're coming in here specifically looking for just an over the top shark movie you will get it it's just you have to sit through an hour and a half of the transporter first and then once once you get through all that then it's you know just spectacular shark action Um, And not just sharks either. Uh, Obviously, when we get to the walkthrough, we'll talk about some of the new creatures that are introduced. Um, And I really liked all of them. I thought it was great. That was one thing that I was looking for, because obviously with a sequel, you want to come back bigger and better, especially because the Meg was such a success. Um, The fans, you know, it got some sort of critical acclaim. Obviously, Mike said that they're both sitting at the same rating on IMDb. I Honestly, I don't think either of these movies is a 5.6, and the first one absolutely is not a 5.6. I don't know what the fuck movie these people are watching, but again, you know, uh, ratings are subjective, so. But yeah, goddamn. And and, uh, one last thing before we get into spoilers. This movie is directed by Ben Wheatley. Ben fucking Wheatley, the man who gave us Kill List and um, what was his other big, oh, uh, A Field in England just some spectacular English horror movies that have gone down as modern classics. But then he takes the Meg and instead of making it this dark, gritty, brooding horror film, he makes it an action film. And that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, obviously this is a big budget, big studio release. So Ben is probably kind of at the will of the studio, especially because it's not his property. It's not like he wrote this. He didn't write and direct Um, So he's kind of at the will of the studio. But goddamn, like, why hire Ben Wheatley if you're just going to give us something that could have been directed by Roland Emmerich or fucking any other hack action director out there? It's like, why bring in Ben Wheatley? It doesn't even make sense. It's like bringing in John Carpenter to do a slapstick comedy. Doesn't fucking make sense. And honestly, I, I, I actually have faith Carpenter could have made a good slapstick comedy if, if he actually wanted. And, yes, I know Big Trouble in Little China is pretty close to that, but that's still.
1: I was going to say Ben Morris of an invisible man. but Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll go with that, too.
2: Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the point is Ben Wheatley just feels so misused here and wasted. I mean, hey, I'm sure you got a great paycheck, and that's awesome. Hopefully the money that he gets from the Meg, 2, he'll go and make another classic independent horror film, you know, because um, he needs to do something to bounce back from this one. Because this one's going to be a success. It may not be a critical success, but it's going to make its money. Um, you know, is it going to make the same kind of profit margin the first movie did? Not likely, considering the reviews that we're getting, uh, you know, just a couple of days after release. And even with the first one, um, I don't remember if we reviewed it. Back then, it would have been just the movies. That would have been before the Fresh Cuts days. Um, but, I mean, I absolutely loved the first Meg. I think I saw it like three or four times in the theater before it finally left the theater. I just absolutely loved it. And this one, I just can't bring myself to do it, you know? Our terrorists, too. It's like uh, our terrorist Montez. It's like, why did they get discount Pablo Pascal? Why not just get the man himself? <laughs> it's like, why did you get a Pablo Pascal lookalike? It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: Um, I don't know. What else can we talk about? I mean, it's great to see some of the returning characters. Mac is awesome, as usual. Uh, Jonas. Mei Ying, like I said, now that she's 14, she's a little bit more annoying and than, than precocious and cute, but, you know, whatever. And like I said, the fact that she makes decisions that could literally cost people's lives, yet she's considered a genius, just bugs the shit out of me. Um, we don't, oh, DJ came back too. We don't really get a lot, um, well, we don't get our main actress back, um, you know, the, the love interest from the first movie, Mei Ying's mother, basically. We don't get her back. Wasn't she still um, stuck in prison? Because I know that she had, uh, troubles with the Chinese
1: authorities. So Possibly. I, yeah, no, I'm so not sure. Because of... I'm saying, I remember that there was this big old thing like maybe a year or two after it came out about her not paying royalties or
2: something. Ah, so maybe okay. she's,
1: yeah, so she, she maybe, you know, like held up mm. over there or something.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, and honestly, the filmmakers did a fine job explaining why she's not there. Like, I'm okay with it. I don't have a major problem with it, but it, it's like, I don't know. Like Mei Ying and Jonas's relationship almost doesn't make sense here considering what their relationship now is. You know, obviously in the first movie they had just met, you know, they got friendly right away. The mom was kind of a love interest. And then in this one, obviously five years have gone by. A lot has happened. Um, But I don't know. The relationship between these two just didn't feel believable to me. Um, I don't know if I'm even really going to be able to explain that statement. Just something about it. Didn't feel believable, organic. So, yeah. Uh, no other characters in the movie really blew me away. well, <laughs> Pippin the dog does make a return, though. So, for for all those Pippin the dog fans from the first movie, he is back in this one. Does he survive this one? We'll have to find out. But uh, yeah, he does make a return. Um, so I guess the, the owner is the same, too. The, the Asian woman who owned Pippin, I'm assuming, the woman who seemed like she kind of ran Fun Island. I don't know if maybe she just worked there or if she ran it or whatever, but she was doing the introduction. She was like the Ricardo Montalban of Fantasy Island, kind of introducing everybody to Fun Island and blah, 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 blah. And, yes, it is called Fun Island. I'm hoping that its name in Chinese maybe just sounds cooler than Fun Island, but there you go. Fun Island it is. Um, I don't know. What else can we talk about that's not spoilerish? Not a whole hell of a lot that I can think of. Like I said, we already kind of went over all the returning characters, our villains. Um, we get, we get a new uh, a new character named Jess. She's kind of like she's like the character that Ruby Rose played in the first movie. She's like you know the techie, the computer whiz who handles all the you know the the Computers and automation and everything else on the station. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what happened to Ruby Rose's character, but whatever. Uh, Jess is now that character. And then we, we get introduced to a couple of other new ones. Um, but the main one is going to be the uncle, uh, Uncle uh, Jiming. Um, he is basically now uh, – oh, I, I probably shouldn't say that. That's kind of spoilerish. Let's just say that he is now – our main character who's now running the institute or, you know, running the station, the the the, the submersible station. Um, I'll, I'll get into more about his relationship and why he came in here during our walkthrough. But yeah, there's not really a whole lot more that I can think of to talk about. You guys got anything else before we get into it?
0: Uh, I, th- I thought the, the main or the shark's, themselves look pretty good like yes they're cgi but it just shows that like you know you can work with cgi um i also was fine with like how the sharks got killed because obviously they got to come up with something like creative i guess to to (laughs) figure out how you're going to kill these giant sharks um what else can i think i loved the I think I already mentioned it in my general thoughts, but the the other creatures that show up, I thought that was a cool cool feature yeah. that I, I didn't see coming. And like no. there was actually like a legitimate creature fight in the movie that Fair. I got a kick out of. Yeah. So was
2: I was cool. a little disappointed with that, because obviously as you're watching the movie, you know that confrontation is coming. It has to. Um, and then it happens so quick, and it, you don't even get to see the other creature as well as I would have liked. Like you know, they, they kind of hide them throughout the entire film. And then when we finally get them in all its glory at the end, we don't get them for very long. And the camera is still too tight on the shot. I wish the camera was farther back so that we could actually see the entire thing. And we never really got that, which is disappointing. Um, cause I am a fan of that type of creature. I don't really want to spoil it though. If you've seen the trailer, you probably already know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But uh yeah, yeah, I guess uh I guess that's gonna be your spoiler warning folks. If you haven't seen the Meg two or are or you know and, and want to watch it, then go ahead and pause the show now and come back. If you have already seen it or don't care to, based on some of the reviews that you've uh heard already and read then go ahead and stick around and i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna whip through this walkthrough because this is a two-hour movie with a lot of information and i'm gonna skip a ton of it so (laughs) here we go (laughs) our movie opens up in the cretaceous period uh basically it obviously um uh predates human beings by about 70 million years um we see a couple of small um quadruped you know, reptilian dinosaurs. Um, They're maybe the size of large dogs, like maybe St. Bernard, something like that. Um, We see them and, you know, they're kind of eating, they're picking out a carcass. There's like a larger dinosaur that's rotting on the beach and they're all, they're scavenging, obviously. They're picking off um, bits and pieces of it. And then we hear the footsteps. And we hear, you know, we hear the big booming footsteps coming out from the forest. We see the camera zoom into the forest and then bam, a T-Rex shows up. Which I, like I said, I hadn't I watched this trailer, so I was not expecting to see a T-Rex in my shark movie. But I was very happy with it because it looked great. The scene is really, really cool. Uh, the T-Rex basically comes out and starts attacking the smaller um, little dinosaurs, little reptilian dinosaurs. He, he ends up getting one of them, biting down and, and getting it in its mouth. Um, All the other ones, because there's a group of them, there's probably like a dozen of them on the beach picking at this carcass. After the T-Rex catches one of them and bites down, all the other ones kind of run into the forest. And you see the T-Rex uh, kind of turn around like he's going to run into the forest after them. And then suddenly this just massive fucking Megalodon, um, very similar to the short, the raft from uh, Creepshow 2, where the dinosaur is actually on the shore, but the fucking Meg jumps up on the shore, bites down on the T-Rex, and mind you, about half of this T-Rex fits in this thing's mouth. It gives you an idea of how big this fucking thing is, because this particular shark had to be bigger than any shark in the first movie, and probably other than the alpha that we're introduced to later in the film. This thing was just massive, fucking gigantic. So after he bites down on the t-rex and drags him back into the water, we get our credit sequence. Um, after the title card, we see Jonas. Uh, we're not sure what he's doing, but he's he's on a ship. um he's he it, we know that he stowed away because he's inside of one of the uh, one of the shipping containers. And he basically breaks out of one, carves his own little door, and when he looks out, he is indeed on a ship filled with shipping containers uh, just out in the middle of the ocean. There's no land anywhere to be found. So basically, um, we see him start sneaking around. It's very obvious he's not supposed to be there, that he stowed away somehow. Uh, But then he pulls out a camera and starts taking pictures. And what is he taking pictures of? He's taking pictures of the the crew of the ship throwing um, radioactive waste, barrels of radioactive waste, into the ocean, just dumping it out there. You see the barrels kind of leaking as they hit the water, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's kind of obvious that Jace, that, that uh, Jonas at this point is now some kind of eco-warrior, you know. Um, not sure if he's still working for the Institute, you know, um, but, you know, we kind of assume he did because he fell in love with the lady in the first movie. And uh, basically this is where it turns into the transporter. He has this big action sequence. Eventually he is caught taking pictures, you know, of paperwork in the office. And then he has to go through a long line of bad guys where he's just beating the shit out of people left and right. Finally, he's cornered at the back of the ship. Um, There's about six or so crew members, plus a couple down at the bottom, kind of waiting for him in case he decides to jump down. And they basically tell him, well, you know, obviously we're going to kill you. There's no way. You're in the middle of the ocean. There's nowhere to go. uh, Blah, blah, blah. Um, but then Jason, you know, <laughs> stay, uh, Jonas basically jokes, you're under arrest. All of you are under arrest. Uh, um, and, and here's the warrant, of course, when he pulls his hand out of the pocket. He flips everybody off and just falls backwards into the ocean, which seems odd because obviously if these guys are dumping radioactive waste in the ocean, there's no way that they're anywhere near land. They're way, way out there. And after Jonas falls in the water, you hear the captain kind of yell at him, you know, we're 200 miles from any land, so have a good swim, blah, blah, blah. But then uh, we, see, uh, we see Mac and a new character in the movie named um, Regis are uh, basically, they are flying in on one of those uh, water aircrafts, the ones that actually land on water. And uh, with Statham, you know, basically swimming out in the open water, this thing kind of starts to land, but then just as it approaches uh, Jonas, it opens up its front hatch, scoops him up, literally like like a pelican eating fish out of the ocean, scoops him up, and then takes off again, and off they go, and, you know, Jonas turns over all the paperwork and pictures that he took to Mac, and blah, 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 so... Um, At this point, we are back at, we're at a new station now. Um, This one is called Mana One. I don't remember if that was the same station from the first movie. I don't think it was, because I think the first one took a lot of damage, but, you know, who knows? Maybe they just fixed it. Anyway, so we are now at Mana One, and at this point, they have new submarines. They have, um, oh, I skipped the party, but I don't care because that's where we're introduced to the main villain but I don't give a shit about that scene. Uh so uh um let's see we are at uh shit where were we I lost my place. Um so, after the part oh, right, we 're back at Man one uh, back at man one it's been uh, they have a conversation where they talk about uh, apparently after the events of the first movie, they did not stop going to the trench. In fact, they started going to the trench more often to the point where over the last five years they 've done twenty five dives into the trench. Now, like I said, they have these new submersibles, these cool little submarines, which is kind of weird watching the movie after the, the Titanic submarine accident recently. <laughs> Obviously, that's the first thing that pops into my head as I see them diving in these submersibles that look very familiar.
0: Um, yeah, but anyway. and they, they have uh, the uh, the little scuba suits that reminded me of like mini dock loaders from aliens where it's like they kind of have the robot walking on, but it's more form fitting. So a little more like humanoid and, and how the usage works.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So like Mike says, we, you know, we get to see some of the new tech that they're working with. They've got these power suits where, you know, where it increases the person, the wearer's strength, you know, like tenfold or whatever um you know it, it's it's an underwater apparatus so they can you know they can breathe underwater um it's a pressure suit so they can go all the way down into the trench and actually walk around out there in these suits so like i said in 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 the world of this movie technology's really advanced over the last 5 years so like i said they are making their 26th dive into the trench since the events of the first film And while they're doing their dive, uh, they realize that the oxygen is being depleted faster than it should be. Um, And, you know, they start making jokes back and forth that maybe somebody's nervous and they're breathing too hard. But no, my friends, it's fucking Mei Ying. She fucking stowed away into this thing, which, (laughs) holy shit, this girl, a 14-year-old girl went against... Uh, the orders of her parents, her only living parent or guardian, whatever you want to go with. Um, I don't think they ever mentioned in the movie if Jonas actually married his mother. Right. Like he doesn't call her his wife at any point. Uh, we just find out. Oh, and I did forget to mention that. Yes. May um, uh, Ying's mother did pass away in twenty twenty one. Um, I think there's a throwaway line that, you know, she died, you know, on, in the water doing, you know, her research, blah, blah, blah. She basically died doing what she loved, which basically mean, means that both of Mei Ying's parents have died um, while, you know, diving underwater. And yet it's the first thing that she wants to fucking do. So, you know, go figure. There's logic there. Um, so, like I said, once it's discovered that she stowed away into the dive, into the vessel, Jonas wants to stop um the the dive but <laughs> and i skipped haji too i'm so sorry um we do get a scene earlier in the film where it's um it's discovered that they actually one of the megalodons from the first movie had a baby so they had like a megalodon pup and this guy you know the new director you know uh, J- uh Jai Ming, the new director of the facility basically has trained this meg who is named haji um since a pup and we you know we get a scene early on where he's basically using like a note like a little click uh a little like a click noise maker underwater basically one click means come and two clicks means go like leave and he basically shows it in practice There is a little bit of a tense scene where the shark isn't listening to the beeps and kind of makes an aggressive move towards them. Obviously, he's fine because, you know, you're not going to kill that guy in the first 10 minutes of the movie. But there you go. Uh, So anyway, like I said, while they're making the dive and they realize that um, Mei Ying has stowed away, they realize that Haji has broken out of his enclosure, her enclosure, excuse me, Haji's a female. Um, that she broke out of her enclosure and is following them back to the trench. Almost like something is calling her, is what they say in the film. Um, but once they get to that, uh, what's it called, the thermite or whatever, um, that, that layer. Uh, if you guys remember from the first movie, there's that layer of cold water that's separating you know, the trench from the majority of the ocean, blah, blah, blah. Uh, basically, they once they realize that Haji's on their tail... They decide, okay, fuck it, we're not going to postpone the dive. Let's just get down to the trench as quickly as possible because Haji can't follow them. Once they go through that thermal layer, uh, you know, the shark obviously can't follow them. And that's exactly what happens. They end up diving down into the trench. Um, Haji obviously can't go through that cold water, and, you know, she just kind of swims off on her own while our two submersibles... I did forget to mention there's two submersibles in, there, in this scene. One driven by Jonas, the other one uh, driven by Jiming. Ming. And uh, once they're in the trench, you know, everything seems fairly normal. They're swimming around. Um, they've actually sectored off areas of the trench. Like, up to this point, there's like 19, um, you know, kind of charted areas of the trench. And for some reason... Jai Ming decides, well, Haji, for some reason, wanted to come back here, like really, really bad. And then while they're down there, they actually see a few more sharks um, kind of congregating together, which goes against their biology. Um, according to, you know, Dr. Zhang, Jai Ming, he says that the that Megs are solitary creatures. They don't hunt in packs. They don't, you know. They don't necessarily raise their young, their, their solitary creatures, but for some reason these Megs are all gathering. Eventually they realize that it's mating season and the Megs are mating and that's why they all came back to this area. So they are now in an uncharted part of the trench. Um, they, they dub it um, area or sector 20 uh, basically because it's a new uncharted area. And while they're down there, they end up finding a facility. An actual, like, facility at the bottom of the trench. A big facility, too, where, you know, you would think that there'd be countless people in there running the station, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they don't understand why. They're like, who the hell would have the money and power to be able to fucking, you know, build, not you know, not just build this thing, but send people down here, you know. Because, you know, these folks here in the movie thought they were the only ones who had this kind of technology to be able to go down to the trench, uh, they end up finding the station, like I said, and then we end up being introduced to Montez. And Montez is basically an eco terrorist who is working with a group of people down there. And it's it's basically an illegal mining um, in, uh, installation. Basically, they're mining precious metals from the bottom of the trench. Basically, metals that um, haven't been discovered but have incredible properties you know, for for being power sources and things like that, computer chips. They kind of list all the things that this new ore could be used for and that it's very, very valuable. Like, basically, they find a few pieces of it in a room, and uh, Dr. Zhang is like, this is worth about a billion dollars, you know, if this was all sold to the wrong people, blah, blah, blah. So they understand now that it's an illegal mining operation. We see Montez... And he's talking to a couple of divers. Uh, we see a couple of divers at the bottom of the trench. They're loading explosive charges into the side of the mountain or, well, whatever you want to call it, the cliffside at the bottom of the trench. Uh, they're loading up explosive charges. Um, and then once they're done loading up the explosive charges, you know, the men need to leave. They need to get out of the area before the charges go off. But at that moment, Uh, Jonas and Dr. Zhang's submersibles kind of appear and Montez sees them on the radar. Uh, This dude must also have one of the most technologically advanced cameras ever because he's got a camera. He's got like a radar system that actually also has a camera because he zooms in 400% and actually sees an image of Jonas driving this thing. It just, it doesn't look right at least based on the technology that I know that exists, but whatever again, Suspension of disbelief. So once Montez sees that the um, that the crew of the Mana One are nearing the illegal operation, he ends up going ahead and just setting off the charges, killing all of his men, and creating a, an avalanche, like a rock slide at the bottom of the ocean, that both of our characters' submersibles get caught in. Uh, So they basically, you know, they have the harrowing escape scene where they're trying to get through this kind of crevasse at the bottom of the trench with all this debris falling on them. Eventually, uh, they do get trapped. Both submersibles get kind of, you know, trapped underneath the debris. Um, Both submersibles are deemed basically useless. Um, We follow Jason Statham's um, submersible. They assume that the other one was destroyed and that everybody on there is dead. Uh, They realize that they're stuck down there. They're not going to have enough oxygen, uh, and they're not going to be able to do the repairs, um, you know, for the ship. So they decide, since they're only about three kilometers away from that station, they decide to actually put on those power suits and walk out into the, you know, basically walk on the bottom of the water, uh, very much like the film Underwater that we remember from 2020. Uh, And they're basically just walking at the bottom of the ocean, which doesn't make sense to me because you would think – these people walking at the bottom of a trench would constantly be getting attacked by animals just different fish different creatures all you know the all these undiscovered creatures but no no it's actually fairly lifeless down there in this movie other than the megs and eventually as the people who are walking as they're walking to the station one of them gets attacked by what we assume to be a giant octopus because all they show us is an eyeball and it looks, you know, very much like an octopus's eyeball. Um, And then we just hear one of the crew members scream. Everybody turns around and he's completely gone. He's just gone. Uh, Jonas realizes that they're being stalked by something, so they decide to just run towards the station. But when they decide to run towards the station, they get attacked by a group of the little... Reptilian dinosaurs from the beginning of the film, apparently you know they're living down there in the trench as well, um, unaltered by 70 million years um, at the bottom of that trench, which doesn't make sense because they're land they're land creatures during the cold open, and then seventy million years later, they're still quadrupeds, even though they live underwater, so I don't know, I guess evolution's not a thing. Ah!
1: No, the, the, if you remember when the Rex comes out at the beginning of the film, they dive into the water to escape him, and then the Meg approaching is what sends them back out of the water, running back into the jungle. So right, they were right. already, yeah. So, so I'm saying they were already
2: sea dwelling creatures. They're already capable of going underwater. They're amphibians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're amphibians. Yeah, yeah and, I definitely agree with that. What I'm saying is, for the last seventy million years, they've been living underwater, and generally, you would unless they had like (laughs) underwater caverns that didn't have water inside of them where they could live and walk around but yeah like i said it just doesn't make sense that they've been in water for 70 million years and they still have four legs and a tail that they can walk around on and even even well we'll get to that when we get to it so we'll leave it at that for now so like i said our, our our crew is walking towards the station in the, at the bottom of the trench. They are attacked by some of these reptilian creatures. Um, they are all armed with spear guns, and they're, they're able to kill off a couple of them. But then suddenly the attack stops, and they all run away. All, all the fucking um, creatures run away. And, of course, the camera then turns around and shows us two gigantic, uh, fucking Meg's coming right towards them. Um, well, let me see one, two of them end up dying, uh, during the walk. Uh, the one guy earlier by the octopus and then this guy, or a girl, uh, by the Meg. Oh no, three. Cause I forgot one of the girl's helmets. <laughs> I feel so bad. They finally get into the station um, After being attacked by Megs, by these dinosaurs, their suits are cracking, like the, the, the face shields are starting to crack. Finally, they get into the airlock. The airlock is depressurizing, so you see the water kind of lowering in the room, but literally just before the, the room empties, uh, one of the girl's helmets cracks and she dies instantly. Obviously, the pressure basically crushes her, her head probably imploded. Um, that's probably something we would have seen if this movie was rated R. But since the re- movie's rated PG-13, all we see is the helmet crack and she falls down. Um, but, yeah, so at this point they've already lost three people. And they do finally get to the station. Like I said, they figure out eventually what's happening. And then they realize, um, oh, and, and eventually they're able to get the comms, the communication link, back up so that they can communicate with Mana 1. <clears throat> they talk to Jess. They, they're able to contact Jess. Jess lets them know, hey, there's some escape pods at the other side of the facility from where you are. If you guys get down there, you might be able to activate them and get back up safely. So they do that. They start walking through um, the station. They And there's no one in the station, my friends. Um, they, they walk through, like, Barracks, like actual quarters where people would be sleeping. We see a bunch of hammocks. So, I mean, this place looks like it was manned quite heavily at one point. But for some reason, there's no one here now. Like I said, just the two guys that were, you know, um, setting up the explosive charges and then Montez took them out. So uh, leaving the station completely empty. Finally, our crew gets uh, to the escape pods. The escape pods are there. They're intact. Um, but then out of nowhere, Jess shows up on the screen again, and she has a complete 180. She basically completely changes her attitude and says, okay, Jonas, it's time we had a heart-to-heart and actually speak honestly. Um, I have control of you, of that entire station. Um, and I'm basically, you know, you're at my will. She basically tells... Um, Regis, uh, or Regis, however you pronounce it, the girl that's with them, she tells them to kill Jonas, and that if, if she kills Jonas, Jess will allow them to leave through um, one of the escape pods. And when I say they, I mean Regis, Dr. Zhang, and Mei Ying. Uh, Jonas figures that it's the only way that Mei Ying is going to survive, you know, and he wants her to survive, obviously. So he literally tells Jess, go ahead, shoot me. Just do it. Just do it. You know, it's the only way that it's going to save Mei Ying. Obviously, you know, um <clears throat> Regis has... You know, she has a conflict. She tries to do it, but she can't bring herself to do it. She drops the gun. As soon as she drops the gun, Jess releases the last of the escape pods, and now there's no way for our crew to get out of that station. Oh,
0: no. They're basically
2: trapped there. Oh, no. How
0: how are they going (laughs) to get to Fun Island?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Luckily, Montez is there, and he has his own submarine um, or submersible. I shouldn't say submarine, but, yeah, he has his own submersible that he that he takes back and forth, uh, you know, from the surface down to the trench in the station, blah, blah, blah. Um, he ends up having uh, an interaction with Jason Statham. What ends up happening is that Jess opens up um, uh, the water flu in the room that they're in. And she's basically flooding the room. Um, Jason Statham realizes that the only way we're going to get out of here is if I go through one of the openings uh, where the escape pods were swim back uh, to where we came in and then come back around and let you guys out. Now, obviously we're all thinking, well, water pressure, you can't swim because they don't have their suits at this point. Obviously they took their suits off because they're big, heavy, cumbersome suits. Um, So it's explained, uh, Jess, or not Jess, excuse me, um, Regis explains to Mei Ying that if Jonas can get all the air out of his sinus cavity and fill it with water, that he should be able to swim at the bottom of the trench for 30 to 60 seconds without passing out he basically has to fill his entire nasal cavity with water. If there's a that's why your head implodes when you get down there because there's air in there and when uh, you know when the air pressure outside your head changes, it just kind of implodes. So um so yeah, Jonas does that. He gets in the escape pod, well, the escape tube that doesn't have a pod anymore. Um fills up his sinus cavities with water and then does exactly that. He ends up swimming Um, back around towards the same entrance, the airlock that they use to come in. Of course, he's attacked by one of, uh, the little dinosaurs while he's on his way there. Of course, you know, he has the wherewithal to grab his spear gun, kill the creature. But then in killing that creature, he attracts the attention of a Meg. The Meg starts to approach him, but he is eventually able to get back into the airlock. Uh, get back into the station basically the same way that they came in the first time and then go back to the control center so that he can open up the escape pod room. But while he's doing that Montez shows up and they start to get into a fight. This is where we find out who Montez really is. He's basically an eco terrorist that was sent to jail by Jonas a few years back. He spent two years in prison in in Manila. And of course, He's one of those criminals that, you know, he blames Jonas for having to go to jail. His criminal activities have nothing to fucking do with why he went to jail. It's all Jonas's fault because criminals, you know, their brains work properly. So there you go. That's that's the criminal mentality. So, of course, he hates Jonas. He has a vendetta against him. They get into a fight, you know, back and forth, beating the shit out of each other, blah, 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 blah. Uh, finally, Jason is able to get the upper hand. Jason Jonas is able to get the other the uh, the upper hand. He gets away from Montez. He's able to get back into the submersible. Um, they, they actually hijack Montez's submersible because don't forget theirs are basically gone. They end up finding Montez's submersible. They get in there. But then they realize that they can't get out until they open, like, a hatch or something. So Dr. Zhang volunteers to run back into the facility and, um, you know, open up that, um, the way out so that they can then, you know, take the submersible out. And then we have a scene in the submersible because the station starts cracking up. The station is falling apart. It's exploding. There's water getting in everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Um, very much like the end of Aliens you yeah, know, just the whole station has fallen apart and Regis actually does she plays she kind of plays the part of the doctor in the first movie where but the opposite whereas the doctor in the first movie wanted to stay and I'm talking about the cold open of the first movie where they wanted to stay and rescue more guys but Jonas closes the hatch and gets out of there literally seconds before that submarine just explodes Um. In this one, we get Regis basically saying, He's not going to make it back. Close the hatch. Let's just go. This time, Jonas is showing a little bit more restraint. He's waiting a little bit longer. Um, he's not taking the bait from Regis to just leave Dr. Zhang there. And eventually, Dr. Zhang does make it back to the submersible. They have a little joke between them, you know, about, We thought about leaving you for a second, right, Regis? And, you know, Regis is pissed off because she's looking stupid um and they eventually do get out montez of course having now lost his submersible has no way to get back to the surface so what he ends up doing is uh the ore that they were mining from the bottom of the trench they were sending back up to the surface on basically um with these little like balloons basically they would set off this balloon and it would just float up to the surface and then they would go and pick up the ore so basically Montel, uh, Montez, Montel, <laughs> Montez ends up taking one of these balloons, releasing it, and, you know, basically going up uh, to the surface. Um, obviously, the pressure should kill him rising up that fast, but he is wearing one of the power suits. So, um, you know, that kind of equalizes his pressure. So that explains why his head doesn't explode as he rapidly rises in the ocean. Um, now... While all this was happening, a terrorist group shows up at Mana 1, fully armed military guys, all decked out in the camo, um, and they were sent there by the new director, the new um, what was her name, Curtis. Um, we early in the movie. We're introduced to the the basically the new Rain Wilson. If you guys remember, Rain Wilson in the first movie was like the billionaire financier this is basically the new financier. It's a woman named Curtis, blah, blah, blah. Um, we do eventually find out that Curtis is the mastermind for all of this. She's the one who paid for that station to be built. She's the one who's taking all of this ore from the bottom of the ocean and selling it to the highest bidder. Um, and Montez is basically like her capo, if you will, to use a, a mafia term, basically your capo, you know, kind of, Managing everything, um, you know, hands on. Uh, so, like I said, she sends an, uh, a military group to the station to basically just take out anybody who might still be there. Um, they imprison a bunch of the crew, a bunch of like the harmless, but anybody that they deem a threat, they've basically been given instructions to kill. This is uh, this is when Mac and DJ find out that it was Jess. Who was the mole at the station? She's the one who sabotaged the rescue sub. Um, I skipped that entire scene. It's not all that important. Um, but basically, uh, they figure out that she's the mole. She's the one who basically sabotaged everything. Um, but they're they're now trapped in the server room uh, because Jess is outside the door with some, you know, with like three or four military guys with her. Uh, DJ, and and this is the beginning of why DJ is awesome in this movie. DJ has this Louis Vuitton bag, like a a mini backpack that he has with him the whole movie. And he calls it, um, his bag of whatever, his bag of tools or, you know, bag of necessities. I forget the exact word he uses that he uses in the movie, not bag of tricks, which you'd think would be the obvious answer, but no, basically, um, he ends up pulling out mace. He tells Mac, okay, open the door I'm gonna mace everybody you wait a few seconds and then run out and tase everyone uh, DJ pulls a taser out of his bag and hands it to Mac they eventually do that they un- unfortunately Mac doesn't wait long enough so DJ basically sprays he pepper sprays everybody outside the door but then Mac instantly runs out and he runs right into a cloud of uh, mist of these uh, mace. Um, blinding himself and you know, kind of the comic relief of the movie, if you will. Um, but they're still able to get away. DJ and Mac are able to get away. Um, <clears throat> they get into another part of the facility, and then eventually they are cornered by a couple of more military guys fully armed. And this is when DJ turns into fucking Rambo because he... Literally takes out two fully armed military guys by himself without any weapons, basically just using karate. Basically, he takes one of them out with a spin kick. Uh, He takes another one out with like a judo throw or whatever against the wall. Uh, Basically, DJ turned into fucking Rambo in the time between the two movies. Uh, We'll get an explanation later as to why or how, I should say. Um, But they eventually do get caught. Obviously, um, when they get caught, that's around the same time that Jonas, Dr. Zhang, you know Je, uh, uh, Regis and Mei Ying are coming back from the you know they finally get back from the trench. Before they actually get to Mana one, they're watching the security cameras. they see the military guys there, you know, fully armed and they realize, you know, oh shit, we're in it now. Um, So, obviously, Jason Statham Jonas turns into the transporter, basically starts taking out military guys left and right. Um, Eventually, they realize that when they... Oh, and I forgot to mention, and this one's actually important. uh, When the station exploded down at the bottom of the trench, it created a gigantic hole in the thermal layer. Uh, If you guys remember in the first movie... When they went through with the old submersible, it created enough of a hole that one of the megs was able to to get out. This time, uh, with the station exploding, it creates a gigantic hole in the thermal layer that's open for almost an hour. uh, Dr. Zhang basically says it'll take about an hour for that to close. In that time, we see a giant octopus escape. And we see multiple Megs get out. Not 100% sure how many, but we see multiple ones get out. And then later on, we'll see that our little reptilian dinosaurs got out as well, because we eventually will have a scene with them. Um, They get back to the station. Like I said, Jason Statham does his superhero shit. And just as they're all, you know, getting into a life raft to basically row away from the station, because they can't use the motors, because... Um, you know, that'll uh, attract the attention of the Megs. So they basically get into an inflatable boat. They're rowing away, and some of the terrorists see them rowing away. The terrorists then get into their own boat, give chase with the engine on, with the outboard engine on, and we, we see Montez tell them quickly, turn the fucking engines off. Turn them off right now. No No movement whatsoever. Any movement attracts the Megs. So finally, uh, we see one of the terrorists kind of aim down sight, and he has Jonas in his sights. He lets Montez know, I've got the shot. Montez tells him to take it. And, of course, as the guy is, as the terrorist is about to pull the trigger, a Megalodon comes out and takes out the entire ship, swallows the entire ship and all the guys on it in one swallow. Uh, Pretty fucking awesome scene, actually. Uh, Then eventually um that's when they decide our, our our bunch um they decide to turn on their outboard motor at that point and get away they do eventually get away um they realize that the closest landmass around them is a place called fun island and as it turns out fun island is basically just a beach resort where the richest of the rich go and you know, spend their money and be entitled douchebags, blah blah blah. We get a we actually get a couple of scenes of people doing that, being entitled assholes. Um they eventually get there. They get to the resort before the sharks. They're trying to tell everyone, get out of the water, there's a shark coming. Now, because this resort isn't usually in shark infested waters you know, nobody nobody listens. Everybody stays in the water. Eventually, a Meg does come out of the water, take out a pier. There's like a wooden pier that leads out to a you know a distance out into the water. Takes out that pier completely. Um, later on, he'll take out a even bigger chunk. And then this is where the movie kicks into gear. When they get to Fun Island, once you see the text on the screen, Fun Island, you know it. You know the good times are happening. Um, just before the attack on fun Island though, we are transported to like a party boat. Um, and this party boat just has a bunch of Asian people in it. Uh, they're not quite at fun Island. They're still like a few kilometers away, but they're in between, uh, you know, the mana one station and fun Island. So of course, you know, the sharks are on the way, uh, what ends up happening is we get uh, a scene on this boat where a woman just disappears out of nowhere. Like this guy, Um, He proposes to her. She says yes. He accidentally drops the ring. When he bends down to pick up the ring, we hear a splash, and then when he gets up, the girl is gone. But then what we end up seeing is a bunch of giant tentacles come out of the water and pull the entire fucking boat down. Everybody on the boat is gone. We see a couple of people swimming back up to the surface, but, yeah, for the most part, it looks like the octopus took out everybody. So at this point, you know we're going to get our eventual Meg versus Octopus fight. It's like it's a rule. You almost have to do it. You'd be disappointed if it didn't happen. Um, then we go back to Fun Island. Um, at this point, Jonas has come up with an idea where he's taken a couple of poles, um, sawed off uh, points on the ends, and then attached uh, some explosive devices to it. Uh, basically exploding spears is what he created. His plan is to take out a jet ski or to have all three of them Mac, Dr. Zhang and Jonas each take one of the spears, they each take a jet ski and they each try to take out one of each of the megs. Um, I forgot to mention there are exactly 3 megs this time. Um, and we actually get to see that in the, a beautiful shot from man on one just before our bunch gets in the boat to leave. We get this great um, you know, panoramic shot and we see three shark fins all swimming towards the fucking mana one, which is basically what starts the escape from there. So, so at this point we know that at the very least we've got three Megs and one giant octopus. You could basically say the Kraken because this thing basically is the Kraken it's fucking gigantic. It's actually bigger than the Megs, believe it or not. Um, so anyway, We're on Fun Island, and the shit hits the fan. Um, There's megalodons eating people in the water. There's terrorists um, going after Jonas and Dr. Zhang. And then finally, our dinosaurs show up. Our little reptilian quadruped dinosaurs show up. They come out of the water, and just as you'd expect, they just start marauding through the beach, attacking people left and right. Um, These things are kind of cool, too, because... They've got this cool design where they've got a mouthful of teeth, but then on their chin underneath, it looks like they have almost like horns, but they're pointing down from the bottom of their chin. It just looks really fucking menacing. It's a creepy looking little thing. And like I said, they're like the size of big dogs. So they're a good fucking size. Like I said, shit hits the fan back and forth, fighting, escaping, different escape plans. We get a, we get a cut, not a cutscene, excuse me we get a, a like a a set piece with a helicopter where dr Zhang and mac are trying to get away but they're cornered we eventually and this is also one of the biggest complaints of the movie for me is that they set up these two villains curtis and montez they they set up these villains of these ultra badasses and then not ultra badasses but just bad people and then when they die, it's fucking off screen. We don't even get to see it. Um, Curtis is basically, she's, she's waiting in a, a helicopter, waiting for her pilot to get there so that she can escape. While she's sitting in the helicopter waiting, one of the reptilian, the little reptile dinosaur guys, jumps into the helicopter and takes her out. But we don't even get to see it. All we see is that they drag her into the woods. She's got a gun in her hand and she's kind of shooting it off, blah, blah, blah. So... Um, Then eventually Mac and um, Dr. Zhang show up to take the helicopter in an attempt to take it and, you know, try to throw some of those spears at the Megs Um, because when they went to the beach, they couldn't find three jet skis. Remember, the plan was for each of them to get a jet ski and a spear. But when they get to the beach they only find one jet ski. So of course Jonas takes all three spears and goes out into the water. As he's going out, Montez of course is there and he notices him go out in the water, so he gives chase. Um obviously big battle, chase, you know, we get the chase sequence first. Montez on the boat shooting a light machine gun at um Jonas on the jet ski, blah, 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 back and forth. Eventually, both boats kind of get destroyed. Um, Jonas, in the interim, Jonas is able to take out one of the Megs with the spear. He basically throws the spear right at the top of the Meg's head. And when it hits the Meg, it explodes and leaves this giant crater where its brain used to be. Actually, a pretty cool effect. So that's one Meg down. We still got two more to go, plus a giant octopus. Obviously, eventually, um, well, let me get to the fight first. Um, Montez and uh, Jonas end up having an interaction at the pier. Montez still has the light machine gun, so he's basically shooting under the pier because he knows that Jonas is hiding down there. Eventually, Jonas finds, like, a sharp piece of wood floating by, grabs it, Jumps up on the pier, stabs Montez in the calf, like in the back of his leg, is able to get up on the pier, disarm Montez, and now Jonas is holding the machine gun, and Montez is there unarmed. Uh, Montez basically looks at him and says, well, you got the gun. Um, But then Jonas looks out into the water, and he sees one of the Megs swimming towards them. And, of course, he times it perfectly where he drops the gun, kicks Montez in the chest, which then which then boots him out. Into, he never even makes it into the water. The megalodon literally catches him in fucking midair. It, it's a, <laughs> it's another one of those over the top kills that probably couldn't happen in real life because how the hell are you timing the action the motions of a shark? But whatever, it looked cool, so at least we'll take that. Um, Like I said, uh, there's still terrorists around. They're getting taken out left and right by the little uh, dinosaurs. Eventually, um, Mac ends up um, – oh, that's what it is. Uh, The octopus ends up grabbing the helicopter while it's in midair. Basically, the helicopter um, flies by an area of the water where the octopus is, and basically the octopus reaches up and grabs the helicopter – the first tentacle that he, that he goes up to grab the helicopter with, he goes too high and the propellers of the helicopter basically chop most of that tentacle off. But then it, we see another tentacle come up out of the water and it, and it grabs the runner on the side of the helicopter and starts to bring it down. Dr. Zhang takes a homemade bomb that he had made earlier and jumps into the water with the bomb and a machete in his hand. Mac is still in the helicopter, and then unfortunately the helicopter does crash into the water, but it, it lands on a very shallow part of the water where there's like a little bit of a sandbar there. So he's slowly sinking into the water, um, into the sand really, um, but he's trapped in the helicopter. And of course, you know, the longer he's in the helicopter, the, the higher the water rises, blah, blah, blah. Um, Dr. Zhang ends up having a fight. Oh, I, and I forgot the shark uh, octopus fight. Like I said, they do eventually have um, a fight where uh, one of the remaining megs does attack the octopus. We see the. And this octopus is fucking gigantic. Like I said, it's bigger than any of the megs in the movie, other than the alpha. I forgot to mention the alpha predator. We saw. While we were in the trench, we actually do see the biggest Meg we've ever seen and Jess, um the the sub pilot basically calls it the Alpha Predator. She's like, that's the Alpha and that thing is and, it, and it's bigger than any of the other Megs in the water. Luckily the Alpha was not one of the Megs that escaped uh from the trench. So maybe they're saving that for the Meg Part three. Alpha Predator. I don't know. Anyway.
0: <laughs> maybe there's always more yeah, megs. I
2: mean, why would they show the Alpha Predator and then not show it again the rest of the movie? It's like, yeah, they're saving it for something. Anyway, uh, like I said, octopus, shark, fight. Um, the octopus uh, basically wraps its tentacles around the shark and starts to squeeze. We hear we hear the cracking sound of, like, cartilage and bone breaking. Uh, we see the eyes roll up into the shark's head and the eyes close. So, of course, we're thinking, oh, the shark's dead. And then, nope, the shark basically hulks up, you know, classic Hulk Hogan from 1984, basically hulks up, bites one of the tentacles off so that the octopus releases its hold on him, and then takes a gigantic bite out of the body of the octopus and then drags it down to the bottom of the ocean, and that's the last we see of our friend the octopus. Like I said, I would have liked to have seen more octopus, not to say that I wanted to see him, like you know, be like the main creature of the movie, of course not, but I feel like if you're going to introduce such an awesome Kraken type creature, let's get a little bit more of it, you know, so, you know, there you go. Anyway, um, at this point Montez is dead, and um, one one of the Megs is dead, the helicopter is crashed, Jonas notices that the helicopter crashed on a sandbar, and then just a few feet away from where the helicopter is, is one of the propellers from the helicopter. It came completely off the helicopter, and it's just sitting there. Eventually, uh, Jonas, like a fucking superhuman, because I'm not sure if it's even possible for a single human to pick up one of those helicopter propellers. I I would imagine that those things are heavy as fuck. If they're powerful enough to lift a a, thousand-pound helicopter into the air... You gotta figure they're fucking heavy like a goddamn superhero he picks up this uh, propeller and he starts slapping it on the water, basically trying to make noise to get the attention of the of the meg, which eventually he does. the meg does eventually you know make the motion that he notices the noise, changes direction, starts to swim right towards Jonas. Jonas then takes the propeller. And kind of points it up. He, like, digs it into the, into the sandbar that he's in and points it up, like, picks it up so that it's pointing, you know, maybe not quite straight up, but pretty close. So that when the Meg comes in to jump out of the water and bite down on uh, Jonas... The propeller goes in through the roof of the Meg's mouth, comes out the top of his head, and then he just keels over and uh, basically sinks to the bottom of the ocean. That's now two Megs gone, So and the octopus is gone. Now, the funny thing is is that they never really show us if they killed all of those little dinosaurs. Like, I got to believe that at least one or two of those things are still running around that island you know, like, they just weren't found. But, again, the, the movie doesn't really show that at all. Um, at the end, you know, so basically after the second Meg is killed, they realize that there's one more Meg, and Dr. Zhang realizes that the third Meg is actually Haji. It's the one that he supposedly, quote-unquote, trained, even though in the earlier scene he almost got eaten by the same fucking shark. And, of course, he just happens to have his little clicky noisemaker with him. So he's under the water, and the Meg is basically approaching him, swimming towards him, aggressively, obviously, mouth open, ready to pounce. But then the doctor hits the thing, uh, hits the button twice, and the shark does what it was supposed to do the first time in captivity. It just kind of swims right by him. And leaves them alone and just swims out into the middle of the ocean and just leaves. And, my friends, that's basically the movie. After that, we get kind of a, a wrap-up scene where we see all of our heroes on the beach. Obviously, they're at a resort, so there's alcohol everywhere. They, they're they all grabbing bottles. They're sitting at the beach, you know, drinking uh, liquor, kind of just resting and, you know, relishing the moment. Uh, this is where Mei Ying kind of comes in, because earlier in the film, Jonas made a joke that she's grounded for the rest of her life for stowing away in that submersible. At the end of the movie, they she asks jokingly, so am I still grounded? Jonas and Dr. Zhang look at each other, and they're like, absolutely. But then they start laughing, and it's like, no, fuck you. <laughs> she should still be grounded. I don't care. You know, I mean, that that was an incredibly irresponsible thing that she did that could have cost human lives. And just because they got out of this situation, oh, she's in the clear. No big deal. No lessons learned at all. OK, whatever. Um, I'm not happy with that. But what are you going to do? And then that's it. That's the end of our movie. No mid credits or end credits scene. Just um, a fading shot of the horizon as Haji is swimming out into the ocean. Uh, chasing dolphins.
0: <laughs> that's, and that's the end of our film, folks. I was so expecting an end, end credit scene, but... <laughs> yeah, right? I was, mean, how do you have
2: a, an actual Meg with a name who's been in captivity? How do you not have a post credit scene with Haji? Maybe either Haji attacking something, or ooh, how about this? Haji having sex with the Alpha Predator. Ha ha! That would be awesome. And then she gives birth to, like, some mega spectacular fucking Meg that will be our antagonist for the Meg 3. I don't know. But yeah, it it seems like a missed opportunity to not have a post credit scene with Haji. Because then they literally just end the movie, and there's still a Meg out there. Yeah, supposedly, quote-unquote, it's a trained Meg, but really it's not. (laughs) The Megalodon's going to do whatever the fuck it wants to do. Um, For whatever reason, it just decided to listen to the doctor at the end of the movie there, probably because he was full. <laughs> those, those Megs have been eaten for like the last half hour, just eating mouthfuls of human beings. And the shot that Mike's talking about inside of the, the Meg's mouth as it's uh, chomping down on people. <laughs> I 100% agree. That shot is fucking great. I've never seen anything like that in a shark movie before. At least not with the size of the jaw of this one, because it's so fucking big that literally in one bite, it's taking like six to eight people into its mouth and practically swallowing them whole. So, yeah, pretty fun. There are, like I said, like we've all said, this movie has its moments. There are some – there are definitely some what the fuck moments in here, some thrilling moments. I mean, it definitely has all of that. If you can get through that first hour, almost hour and a half of the movie to actually get to fun Island, I think you'll have a good time with the movie. Um, Like I said, I'm, if you're like me and you're not the biggest fan of like spy movies or espionage shit like that, then the first hour and a half of the movie might be a drag. Um, but it's still worth it. Regardless of what you feel about the first half of the movie, it's still worth it to get to that final act because it, it and I didn't give it any justice. I didn't talk about DJ taking out one of those uh, dinosaurs that was about to kill Mei Ying. I didn't talk about Pippin, and yes, Pippin survives again. This fucking stupid little dog <laughs> has survived two Meg movies now. Go figure.
0: I guess. I guess if they can't get Jason Statham for the third one, Pippin will take over as the main protagonist. <laughs>
2: yes, Mei Ying and Pippin against the Meg.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. Well, uh, I guess that's going to wrap up our discussion on Meg Two: The Trench. Uh, I I don't know. I, I think they. Could probably make a Meg 3. I think this one was successful enough. Um, plus, it's like summertime, killer shark movies. I feel like if, they, if, if they're even made it competently, it's going to draw out a certain amount of people. They tend to be, like, popular. So uh, I'll look forward to see if they make any announcement on that. But uh, before we wrap up here, let's find out what else we got from everyone. So Venom, do you have any new shows since our last episode?
2: Uh, Before I do that, if anyone is interested, The Meg 2 made $30 million this weekend. Nice. It was number two behind Barbie. (laughs) Barbie is still ruling
0: the world, but...
2: uh. (laughs) Yeah, Barbie... uh, Honestly, between Barbie and Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer being a Christopher Nolan movie, I honestly thought that was going to be like the big movie of the month, but nope, it's Barbie, my friends, and I have not seen it. I have no plans to see it, but... I've heard nothing but good things so who knows maybe one day when it's on streaming and I'm bored I might go ahead and check it out but yeah I just don't have much interest right now in the Barry movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah with 30 million on its opening weekend we can almost guarantee we're getting a meg 3. Yeah
1: especially with 130 million worldwide right?
2: Um I'm only looking at domestic numbers. Uh I thought I saw 130 let It's the international. Uh I got sixty-three international. So sixty-three
1: plus thirty, so ninety-three. Hmm. Yeah, must it it probably year. did
2: go over a hundred. You know, I'm probably because obviously it's the end of Monday at this point. Um I'm not sure yeah, how um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost a hundred million worldwide on its opening weekend. I mean, you can't argue with that. You can argue the quality of the film all day, but if people are going to see it, they're going to keep making them. <laughs> We're still getting Fast and Furious and Transformers movies. <laughs> so, yeah, I can't imagine we won't get the Meg 3.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I I guess uh, in, in sad news, we should probably mention the passing of William Friedkin because that's pretty major. Uh, well, that's not huge. Only the, yeah. Not only for the horror genre, but just cinema, period, because he has a great filmography that everyone should – get familiar with if they're not. I mean, I know for horror fans, they, they obviously are going to know Exorcist. Probably everyone listening has seen that. But he has quite the lineup of movies. I, I'll probably throw something of his on tonight. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, William Friedkin has literally directed two of the greatest films ever made. In uh, the French Connection and The Exorcist. I mean, those two movies. The Exorcist is my favorite movie of all time, regardless of genre. I adore that film. I could watch it daily. Um, so when I heard, when I read the news today about William Friedkin, yeah, it definitely affected me because uh, because of The Exorcist, I sought out more of his films and realized that uh, you know he's a great filmmaker, a great documentarian. He did he did some documentaries in his early years that were really good. Um, So, yeah, it's been a rough week. I mean, you know, we lost Paul Rubens, rest in peace, Pee Wee, and now William Friedkin, you know, uh, it's rough. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, with with that said, uh, Venom, you got anything new for people to listen to?
2: Nothing new from the last time you guys heard. I mean, Creature Conference episode 18 is still the latest episode. Crystal Lake Gift Shop episode 3 is still the latest episode. Uh, oh, the main show did uh, finally come out, episode 54, where we looked at <clears throat> Derek's picks of uh, the Manitou and the Incubus. Uh, good episode. two good, Two pretty good movies. So, yeah, check out that episode if you get a chance. Also, all the usual burning questions, what we've been watching, horror news, blah, 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 blah. Everything that you're used to from our main show. And, um, and then my guest spot on the Joe Blow Horror Show, where it, uh, it's still their latest episode, where I um, got the chance to talk about Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is, of course, the second Resident Evil movie. And spoiler alert, it's my favorite Resident Evil movie you, Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much it for me, folks. It's been kind of a slow summer.
0: All right. Don. how about you?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, as mentioned, the latest episode of Creature Comforts, um, we should be coming back with a new episode sooner rather than later. I think we've narrowed the film down. I think we're just uh, waiting on all of the, uh, you know, other little uh, eccentricities that go into recording the show. So uh, that one will probably be coming out before the end of the month. Um, You know, pending all of our, you know, schedules and the, you know, those other eccentricities I just mentioned. Uh, Latest episode of um, Road to Nowhere is uh, my look at uh, three Fulci films. I... I do have a date uh, to record the latest episode of uh, Joe Blow Horror Show, where I do Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, but uh, that one will uh, be a little bit later on uh, in the month, so that one will probably be coming out closer to Halloween. And the latest episode of The Horror Countdown, where I took a look at the scariest scenes in the genre. So that one was uh, a lot of fun, and... Uh, picking out uh, individual scenes and moments. Uh, Kind of a new thing for me because I'm not really used to doing that, but uh, yeah, it was a fun time and uh, had a fun little discussion on that. So uh, go ahead and check that one out uh, whenever you find the show. But uh, I think that's pretty much it on my end.
0: Okay. Uh, As far as I go, nothing new is released. I, I did record my guest spot on a Joe Blow horror show, also talking about a Resident Evil movie, Aftermath, which uh, is probably the opposite of my favorite Resident Evil (laughs) franchise entry. But uh, we got into all that. Uh, Carly was on there along with me. So uh, I'm assuming it'll be out soon enough just because as they're getting released, it seems like uh, they'll... They they have a, like a regular schedule for them to release. So look for that soon. Obviously once it's actually out, I'll mention that as well. But that's it for me. Um, I know we're trying to put together the next episode of the main show uh, soon, so hopefully we'll be recording that. And other than that, uh, the next episode of Fresh Cuts... I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's like the Vampire on a Ship movie, right? Something the Last, voyage. Voyage,
2: last the voyage of the Demeter.
0: Yeah, that, or that
2: one.
1: Demeter, whatever probably you pronounce it. Ship's name. Demeter. Demeter? <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Right. Okay, and that is um, coming out this week, so oh. that'll most likely be our next episode. I don't do... Is there a week in August that doesn't have a theatrical release. Because, and the only reason I ask is because that Lizzie Kaplan movie, Cobweb, that was, like, in the theater for, like, a day in some places is actually coming to VOD this week. Um, now, obviously, we're going to go with a the theatrical release, but, like, if I'm not sure next week if we would need a VOD or if there's a if there's a theatrical release every single week. I know August is busy, but there might be, like, one week. But um, Yeah, off I from think the there
2: is... Yeah, I think there is one week that we're not, uh, I think it's, yeah, in two weeks after after the Demeter.
0: Okay. Well, maybe that, maybe we'll do the cobweb. I'm not even saying for sure. That's, it's just an option. Um yep. Technically, it was a theatrical release, just not for very long and not wide. So uh, maybe that'll be an option for our free week. But other than that, that's going to do it for this episode of Fresh Oof. Cuts.
2: <laughs> I, was was just every, looking at the, I was looking at the list we, we have a full September we have a new yeah. movie every week in September nice
0: <laughs> alright well Um. yeah we'll be back in a week's time with our next episode until then thanks everyone for listening we will catch you next time well, let's say bye to our listeners
2: later just stay out of the water we don't have gills or fins we weren't meant to be in there
0: swimming pools not oceans
2: Yes. Lakes. Lakes, (laughs) not oceans.
0: (laughs) Peace.